You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes and even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will thrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, welcome to the GFR show. Let me ask you a question to kick things off, as I often do. Do you have special needs? And I I do air quotes with that. Do you have special needs? The thing that I love most about today's guest in the front row seat that I have had on her journey for almost 10 years now is how she has learned to advocate for herself and what she needs. Her name is Dr. Venus Opal-Reese, and she is best known for her Amazon Prime special called Hot Mess Millionaire. It boasts over 5 million streams right now. And part of her story that we don't focus much on is something that would make would be enough for a GFR episode in and of itself. And that is her story from living on the streets when she was a young woman and eating out of trash cans and doing what she needed to do to survive to being saved by a teacher and going on to earn two master's degrees and a PhD from Stanford University. So, right, that would be (laughs) enough for a juicy GFR show episode. And what we're going to be talking about is what happened after that and how she is now the CEO and creator of Venus Opal Enterprises that is launching a tech company designed specifically for helping Black women and featuring Black women in their amazing content and helping them to have their own spotlight. I love this woman. She is a friend and has been a client for many years um, through different phases of her professional journey. And she is as candid as they come, y'all. I think she's sometimes even more candid and beautifully raw than me. And I so appreciate that about her. So this, we get real. (laughs) So you do not want to listen to this if you're, you know, in the car with kids. 
and she does get specific about her experiences on the street and also gets very specific about her experiences with some of her special needs now around her ownership of her PTSD diagnosis that she is um, on the autism spectrum uh, and that this has led to her really advocating for herself. It's a beautiful conversation and I was delighted to be able to have it. We've been, um, we have been circling having her on the show and really feeling in the divine right time. And I think you will see why now is really the divine right time for her to be on the GFR show. I, I can't wait for you to meet her. And uh, if you are in the GFR squad, you are in for an exceptional treat because afterwards we have an amazing conversation about how to trust God with your money. <laughs> and uh, Venus calls her, Venus says her God is a gangsta because she found her relationship with God when she was on the streets. And that is, you know, the God that she uses on in a day-to-day basis. And her, her faith is unshakably admirable and beautiful and so you will get up close with that if you're in the gfr squad if you're not yet it's 20 bucks a month just come on in be with us on our monthly calls where we talk about the gfr commandments get to hang out together um, and you get to have these special pieces of our guests so that's uh, go to the gfr.life slash squad in the meantime um, you are in for a treat with this conversation. It's going to be a wild ride. Strap in, as a, as my husband says in the introduction. <laughs> Strap on in and enjoy Dr. Venus Opal Reese. Dr. Venus, yeah. you made it. <laughs> it only took years, right? <laughs> well, you know, these interviews happen at the divine right time. So if I think about the first time I asked you to be on the show until now, so much amazing things have happened that we're going to, you know, that are going to impact this interview. So of course, the universe always knows we don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So I'm, I mean, to say I'm excited is like not even the right word. Like I am honored and thrilled and delighted that we have this space. You know, everyone heard in the intro that we have, you know, we're friends and you've been my client for years and we just have this history and this, you know, beautiful connection. And so, so the listeners know, you know, we kind of decided which parts of the story we wanted to share today. And there are some things like that Venus and I are both really passionate about when it comes to areas of activism and just distinction in on how we represent ourselves. We're going to talk about being queer and kinky, and we're going to talk about just, you know, handicaps or special needs around PTSD and autism, all of these things that are really beautiful things that a lot of people that are doing great things in the world have experienced or have in their presence. And, you know, this show is so much about normalizing what is considered trauma or considered special needs. <laughs> and the more we talk about it and the more that we um, just represent it in the world, then the less special and the less, <laughs> the less, you know, 
the less it's considered out of the norm. And, and that will allow us to fully embrace ourselves quicker um, and share our stories more readily. And then everybody heals in the process. So, and you've always been about that in my eyes. Well, I think you've always been that in my world. And there's a difference. I know you did your interview. I mean, I know you did your introduction. I'm confident that, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's true. But I think that what you forget to leave, I think what you leave out is how much I love you. I think mm. you do. I don't think you know how much I love you. Aww. I don't think you can. That's, <laughs> I really don't think it's Yeah, possible. you said that. You you said that. You're like, you know, you're my friend and I don't, I don't think you could know how much that means. And, and I, I, I know for sure I couldn't or I don't because okay. of, where, what you've been through and your life journey. And, you know, I, I've never told you this, but I'm going to tell you it on air. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> that whenever I am in appreciation of the safety that I feel in my life and the safety that I see that my kid has the privilege of living in, mm-hmm. I often think of you. You know, Dr. Venus grew up on the streets and she has a, it's she so much amazing parts of Dr. Venus's story and when I met her that part of the story was the after part when I met her and and, and we and, and she went from the streets as she loves to say and I think it's so but she went from the streets to two master's degrees um, from Stanford and then to her own business as an entrepreneur and that's where I met her and there's what we're going to talk about today will be more on what's happened since then, right. since then because it's so much more present for you and probably more I was going to say more relevant that's not true but more relevant for both of us in this in this moment in the parts that you want to share of yourself well, I, think that, I think it's not about relevant I think they can go find it on any audio but this is get fucking real you understand so or your platform we tell the truth we don't do the sound bites, you know what I mean? Yes. And, um, yes. So it's not uh, from the streets to Stanford to seven figure sister is real. I've already done five million in less than six years. I've, I've done a lot. And I have I have two master's degrees and a PhD. And so in the lab, the, the second master's and PhD are both from Stanford. I have four degrees. And so but and, and most people know me for that. And they and they should. Those those are great, you know, woohoo. Fuck yeah. Overcomer. Woohoo! Right. Oh, that's great, but that's that's what that's the foundation on which I'm building. Right now, I'm into legacy. I'm not into ambition. There's a difference. So to be on your platform, to be on your podcast, talking about who I'm becoming, not who I was, yeah. and not in the negative. It's that I couldn't become be becoming what I feel like is my destiny had I not done those things that got me on Amazon Prime and, ha- and have over 5 million views, you know, or reaching over 4 million people a month with no paid traffic. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, all right? But all of that is rooted inside of a destiny. And so when you and I met was you were part of my entrepreneurial destiny and I needed that to do what I'm about to do. Yes, yes. And so I just, I feel blessed to have you in my world, to be honest, to be more appreciative of what I have and where I came from Mm -hmm. because I see you as this amazing person and I, and I know what you've been through and, you know, it's just, it's, it's important. It's important perspective. It's, 
don't know. It's just fucking important. And even though that's the old soundbite shit, it's um well, let me still. Just, it's, it's, you're right. It's important. I think because I've lived it. I feel like Tina Turner. She never saw the movie. Well, love <laughs> I lived it. Why do I need to watch it? But to for, to your point, and and I'm glad you said this because I did. I forget that I'm new to people. I'm old to me, but I'm new to people. So for everyone who doesn't know me, hi, Dr. Venus. I'm known by many as the hot mess millionaire. Okay. But the reason why I'm known is because when I was, by the time, to be fair, by the time I was 16 years old, I was living on the streets of Baltimore. I call them the mean streets. And I'm putting it in air quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> the mean streets of Baltimore, eating out of trash cans and sleeping in urine and beer. My mother, my birth mother, we called her mama, put me out of her house and things weren't okay. So I never went back. Okay. And it was my ninth grade math teacher, a black woman, and that matters. Um, yes. who actually saved my life. That's not hyperbole. That's not symbolic. That's not, that's not a metaphor. That's the truth. That's what happened. She got me up. She gave me a place to stay. She got me food. She got me independent as a minor because everything was so not good. I didn't, I couldn't, I wasn't going to make it without some help. And she helped me. And so long story short, because of her love, I eventually graduated from Stanford. And we're talking decades. That's it, she been, she's been she's been loving on me ever since. Um, I, I graduated from Stanford with my first ma- with my second master's degree, a PhD, and um, I and so that's that. And then I became a university professor, and I got tenure. But while I was there, white people pissed me off. You'll hear about that later. Woot 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 woot. Um, and decided that I needed to not live at the effect of white white supremacy, white privilege. Um, uh, white domestic terrorism. I mean, <laughs> put them all in the box, right? And um, I got committed to being around people who loved me. And so I became an entrepreneur, failed for my first two years. Failed, 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 that <laughs> burned, crashed, burned, trashed it. My arrogance got in the way. I figured if I got a piece from Stanford, I could do this, and I was wrong. So I had to humble myself, invest in mentorship, and was able to learn how to monetize my expertise. And, um, but then there was always the air war. You use this attorney's um, famous phrase, air war, meaning that all the mental, the mindset stuff would still sabotage me. And then I was able, I had the privilege of, of investing in myself through working directly with Lisa Turney. And it changed the whole game. She was the one who trained me in, and, and, and I, I told you this, but I'm saying it on air, because people need to know the source. I have this thing that I say to my tribe, to my truth tellers, which is you are the answer to millions of people's prayers. You gave me that. And it changed everything, everything. And my business became a spiritual practice from that. Okay. And it's been a spiritual. So my my business is not a business. My business is a calling. Okay. And it's because of that spirituality that when I got off the streets, it's because I prayed a prayer. And my teacher was the answer to that prayer. And for you to help me connect those two together in, in terms of being able to be to monetize that I have a right to live an abundant life, that God will want me to be rich, that God will want me struggling. <laughs> God, God is not poor, you know, in my house of any matches. Okay. So and so and so I did all that and then got sick, got divorced, and Realized I wasn't happy being, <laughs> I have a bestseller called Black Woman Millionaire, but then I realized I wasn't happy being a Black Woman Millionaire. It was not good. And it was crazy because I was sexually suppressed. 
And my, my partner at the time was a woman, beautiful woman, amazing woman, would have got for 10 years, one of the best, like that 10 years was a blessing from God. I needed the nurturance. But because I'm a street girl, I say I'm a street urchin because it gives me more room to express myself. I had different appetites that got developed on the streets and I would never bring those to my marriage. I would never bring kink. sexual appetites. Oh, fuck yeah. Specifically. <laughs> okay. Just for the puritans, you may want to leave now. Okay. I'm about to express my damn self. Okay. Right, so I'm gonna pause, I'm gonna pause you just for a minute, even though you're oh, I love when you're on a roll. So so and I love and I definitely I'm really uh happy and excited to share this piece. So thank you for that, like just kind of catching us all up to where you are now and and I always wanted to tell you that 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 you know that having you in my orbit just has me really value feeling safe and the value of that and I think often about the privilege of that and living in a neighborhood where I don't you know hear gunfire and my kid you know right my kid feels safe and just all of that shit and every time I hear I don't get bored I know I don't get bored ever of hearing of hearing that story and how that black teacher, that woman who is now mama calls, you know, how she saved your life. We'll and Nana. Nana, I love Nana. And I was honored to be your mentor among others during that time where you were really like expressing, expressing that chapter of your life, that purpose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on this show, the interview could stop there because you know, that's, that's, that's a juicy GFR story right there. Mm -hmm. And what I'm really looking forward also to sharing is like what happened from there, because we have a similar story in that I also built a seven figure business that I then was like, this ain't it. You know, this isn't fun. This is just too many moving parts. I'm bored. You know, I sort of like felt a comp, you know, I was like, I've been there, done that now. What, you know, and I had a hundred clients from all over the world that were you know, that were in my orbit and in various forms. And, and it wasn't for me, it wasn't for me. And it's, and it's, you just, that's not a lot of people you talk about that too. Like I'm made a million dollars and I'm miserable, um, you know, and, and you had made 5 million and, and you weren't happy. And I had a, y'all, I had a front row seat to the dismantling of this woman's life and business. And it was, it really was amazing to watch. Talk about get fucking real and talk about like, GFR commandment number one is don't compromise. GFR commandment number two is let go of what doesn't feel good. Like let, GFR commandment number three is don't worry about being normal, proper, polite. Like you were working all three of those commandments all at once in short order. So, so when I was Venus's mentor, she, you know, her, her wife was her, also her part of a business, like think her COO, there was so much integration, but when Dr. Venus got real that that she was complete around that relationship she just like did what she needed to do and I was in awe of it I was in awe of your your clarity Mm -hmm. and your willingness to do the shit that was uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and you could see like that like this is this is not going to get me where I'm going in the future and so at the time you identified you did you identify as lesbian at the time no I've never been a lesbian it's a little complicated for people because like, yeah. I have sex with women. I'm like, yeah, but I have sex with men too. And that doesn't make me buy either. Right. I agree. It's so funny. In black culture, I'm gonna to talk to you. I'm, you know me, Lisa, but I'm gonna to talk to you what is like they're black, because so they can just get used to it. So in black culture, 
we have different distinctions that white people never understand. We have a code of language. And one of the, one of the if you listen to us talk, you can misunderstand a lot of the things we say because we're doing what we call reappropriation of words. So if I say, oh, so that's my bitch, doesn't mean that's a bitch. That's not what it means. It means that's my best friend, that's my homie, that's my girl, that's my ride or die. If I say that's my nigga, that's not the same as that's my nigger. When I, it's not a slur. It's a, it's a, we're reclaiming the words that were neg negative yes. and turn them into positives, right? And so in Black culture, we have some distinctions that you would never pick up on if you weren't raised in a culture, like baby's mama or red bone or high yellow or um, boo thing. And I know some of them are popular, but if you don't understand what that means in terms of identity, you will, you'll, you'll end up, you'll, you'll screw the pooch, okay? So I am not gay, not because I don't have sex with whomever, my, whoever I love, but because I, my, my identity is not a political one. My, po my politic is race, not sexuality. My politic is race, it's not gender. And because I actually, as a theorist, I study the intersectionality of race, gender, sexuality, and class as it ties to African slavery, the Middle Passage, and North American chattel slavery. Its impact on Black people, specifically Black women, our sense of self and our money. That is my research. That is what I did at Stanford. That is what I've been published on. That's my shit, okay? Now, when it comes to identity, I identify as queer. Queer simply means odd, different from the norm. <laughs> it's so basic, right? But that, I know. I don't fit into any boxes. You know, so I love that word. It's just such a beautiful, fully expressed, not non-binary word. <laughs> it is now, but it used to be a slur. Okay. Mm. And for people who are who are older, yeah. who has the sting of nigger? No, nigger. Because in gender, we were called queer or fag. It was, it was, it was a violent act. It's been reappropriated. You see what I'm saying? So as a, like the word slut. Are we just talking about yes! this actually the other yeah, day? Yeah. Yeah. Everything's slut. I love it. Yes. yes. That's the exact same parallel structure, right? And so where I stand in the matter is I don't fit into any of the boxes. I literally don't fit into lesbian for, for one because it's a politic and I don't live I, I don't live that politic. And two, I don't believe with ideology. It's just some things that I don't align with, okay? Bisexual, the way that the world speaks it is that because you have sex with two people, but when I think of two different genders, and I think gender is fluid, but when I think of bisexual, I think of someone who has, who's a hermaphrodite. So I don't identify as a hermaphrodite. And if you don't know what that is, you may want to look it up, but to give you a start, a start on it is that some people have both sexes. There's some people who look like a woman, who present as a woman, but have more, um, Y chromosomes. And there's some men who look like the other way around. There's some women who have more X chromosomes. My point is the biology comes into play. And because people are socialized to think beyond this a binary, black, white, straight, gay, they don't get the nuances. Male, okay. female. <laughs> a male, female, okay? And there's some things that literally have everything to do with the physiology of who you are, have nothing to do with choice. Okay. And so because I was, I'm a street girl, I'm a street urchin. That's my new phrasing. I was not protected. So to your point earlier, you're being safe. The flip side of that means you're not protected. I didn't, I didn't come up protected. I got exposed to a lot of things, good and not good. All right. And I don't villainize my past, but I've been involved sexually with both men and women since I was six. And that, and I, it's hard for people to hear that 
because the only thing you can hear is something bad. That's not necessarily the case. To be quite frank, because I was raised in such a free environment, some of that stuff I liked. And I developed appetites over years of having my body be trained by both genders. So I've been trained physically, sexually by black men. I'm sorry, not a black men, black men, but men, because there's some white folks in there too. Yay, cousins. And then there's, I've also been trained by women, okay, who were, y'all would say lesbian, because I don't think you have any other distinction. Um, and I mean, that's societally wise. So yes. I think, so I have appetites that got cultivated in a context that is not normalized or atypical or typical. So my value systems around my body get some up in one phrase. I am not my body. So my body doesn't care who she fucks. They're not, I'm not pussy. Okay, I know something. No, it's, get fucking real. My vagina is not, <laughs> no, I'm gonna fix it. I don't have to, I'm gonna try it. Cause the street pussy, is- Pussy, vagina, whatever. <laughs> vulva, Bella would say, vulva is the appropriate word. Thank <laughs> <laughs> God, they want an E rating. But my vagina is not who I am. I'm not mm. giving myself away if I have sex with you. If anything, I'm probably taking something from you, okay? And so I literally have sexual appetites that I did not express in my marriage because I didn't marry my wife for those appetites. I married my wife for normalcy. So we live a, we lived a heterosexual normative lifestyle. We didn't do gay flags. We didn't do pride. And none of that's bad. All that's good. But we didn't identify that way. We were just like, you know, doing your thing. Right. So my point is, queer is the only social space where I feel like I can be myself. I can't be myself as a lesbian. I'm an awful lesbian. I just don't follow the rules right. My wife was a lesbian, and that's when the, this, and I'm queer. Those two not two different, those two different identities. I'm not really good at straight because I wasn't. I wasn't normal. I wasn't socialized in the normalcy of woman being second. I can't even, you because you have a penis, you think you have a right to tell me that you're right? When I have more education and more money than you, fuck you. You can kiss my black ass. That's how it feels in my spirit. Yeah, yeah. And I love, and I love how you like, yeah, you can kiss my black ass is like, that is like, that's like a cellular sort of like reaction to don't try to put me in a box. Yes. That's you know, don't, don't tell me how it should be, you know, and I, I just love questioning everything. <laughs> you know that about me. <laughs> I just, I just love it. I love questioning all the things. And I love like having this little person in my, yes, you know, little adult, young adult in my household that, that I has been marinating in the question, all the things juice for, <laughs> for all these years. And it's so, it's so beautiful how those boxes aren't necessarily there. And, and whatever is there, she is, she calls me out if I say, Oh, blah, 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 she, she's like, well, how do you know it's a she, you know, like where I'm not all, you know, if I have a moment where, you know, I'm not connected to that or whatever, she just, she's always calling it out. And so I just, I really appreciate, I just, it's not a small thing to be clear on our, on how we identify. It is not a small thing. You're right. Because we, you know, I fell into monogamy. I got married at 23. I married a man. I didn't even kiss girls in college. I didn't even have that experience. You know, I just, it, there wasn't even uh, options, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And 
And it's just what we did, you know? And then, you know, 18 years into our marriage, for those of you that don't know my story, check out episode 11, um, how opening up my marriage juiced up my business. You know, we had eight years of non-monogamy and polyamory and pansexuality for myself. That's how I identify. If I haven't said that on this show, you know, I don't want to be put into a box either. It's about, I realized that my, my sexuality is just about the person. <laughs> it doesn't matter what genitals or whatever is going on there. It is about the connection with the person. Mm-hmm. And, but we just never get a chance. Most, a lot of people don't get a chance to fully explore yeah. with all possibilities on the table. And I'm so, and forever will be so grateful to the experience that Greg and I had as a couple, mm-hmm. just being able to explore and, yeah. and, and get clear on those self identifications versus while I fell into this heterosexual thing and, or, or I look, I present and I still present as heterosexual. Right. So that's a whole nother, you know, topic about how we present and what people, you know, you know, people see you're black, but they don't necessarily see you're queer, even though you're really wearing an awesome tie-dye t-shirt today, um, rainbow. Okay. And I'm wearing my favorite bra. Because and you were, yes, I too. So we talked about that. Yes, we're in your favorite bra. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I just, I just want to just acknowledge you because, uh, you know, it would be so easy and for, and many listeners are probably in this boat where it's just so easy. Like I'm, you're in this relationship for 10 years with a woman mm-hmm. and you just keep going. Like it, that is, it's sort of you and I kind of a hard thing to connect with that you stick with something that doesn't feel good. That's very um, good. <laughs> right. I don't know we were both born that way (laughs) just uh, what no but it's just it would have been it would have been some people might say it would be easier to it would have been easier to stay and so yeah I want to I want to interject it would have been yeah that's not I had a glorious mansion that had three-car garage a studio, a playroom, a library, five bedrooms, five baths, an open patio, a patio in the house, okay? It was the American dream, literally in the suburbs of Frisco, Texas. I, I got her a Lexus, I had a Mercedes. I had another property that we had for renting. We did quarterly vacations in different parts of the world. So it was a it was a glorious life. I mean, honestly, I was like, V, are you sure? I mean, because it was like, and and the touring was great. And you know, this, I mean, I, I have a whole breakdown of it on Hot Mess Millionaire on my Amazon Prime. So you can, it's 18 minutes, you can see how I what happened. But the point was I wasn't fulfilled. And you knew that, and that was above all else. Well, it was interesting. I, it wasn't a knowing, it was an awakening. An awakening. Because my background was so extreme, Lisa, I know violence and I know pain. But when you have things that are normal and nothing, and no one's beating your ass, right. or you, you know, you ain't fucking people for money. You know what I'm saying like if you're not trying to survive, yeah. then what the hell do you have to complain about? Honestly, yes. God, what's the problem here? Thank God that you're not on the streets, you know, giving blowjobs. What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? So, like, so I, so my 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 measures are off. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and you know, your measures are off and you know what? I think a lot of people have this similar, whatever their old thing was, they feel like I have so many people feel like I have no right to complain. 
right. whatever, wherever they come from, it's all relative, right? Not to diminish your experience in any way at all. But that's like a story that so many people, so many of us have. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't have the right to complain. I have a good job. I have a car that I don't write to complain. I have a beautiful family, beautiful kids. I'm doing air quotes. You know, I always bugs me people on the show. I have two beautiful boys, you know, like everybody has like they so many of us have like that I don't have the right to complain for wherever whatever our context of contrast comes from yeah so I I I still hold firm with my applauding of you (laughs) I'm gonna give some highlights here because I have so much that I want you to share so so you did choose to get divorced and right around that time you had a hysterectomy which seems relevant because it just I feel like it, it it compounded things for your transformation. <laughs> it was funny. Ugh. That, you know, the hysterectomy is harder than the divorce. Mm. Ugh. And the reason being is... It took you out. <laughs> you know, it, it got me into therapy. The, the hysterectomy nice. had me see a therapist. It was two things that made the difference. The first one was I decided to divorce in love because my former spouse didn't understand personal boundaries. And as a street person, as a girl from the streets, if certain boundaries aren't honored, then what gets evoked or gets triggered is the behaviors that come from that survival. Mm. And, and she's a middle-class chick, raised with money, raised with family. So she did not, she had no relationship to, she has no relationship to triggers and traumas like that, right? And so because she couldn't honor certain boundaries, and it wasn't even something bad, it's just you can't do certain shit around me without. Be, having to escalate and it only happened a couple times in our marriage and it wasn't bad but I didn't trust me not to act out my history on her and I left in love she didn't want to get divorced because she had a good lifestyle and I realized she was in love with the lifestyle not with me and that's okay because that was a transaction and all I knew in my life was transactions so that's a fair call but when I started to do the divorce process I found out that I had fibroid tumors and they were big and they were pressing against my kidneys so now my kidneys, the fluids in my kidneys are all getting all twisted. And if I don't get, if I didn't have an, you know, an emergency hysterectomy, then I was going to have to deal with the potential of being on dialysis for my kidneys. So it became a health matter. Now, when I had, so the thing that hurt my feelings was two things. One was when I got, when I was, when I, when me and my wife were divorcing, I realized that I was trying to make her take care of me versus me taking care of me. Oh, that's really important. And that was a real, that was something, because I'm like, if I'm doing my part, you do your part. And when she didn't do her part, air quotes, right? Taking care of you. Right. Watching out for me, having my back. And when I feel like she didn't, that was, that frustrated me, that infuriated me, right? But the, but I heard in my head, well, it would be, why would you do for her, but you wouldn't do for you? And what I wow. heard you say is because you hate yourself. Uh, that was like, oh, sh- that, you know, that's like that quiet voice, like, oh, God. Ah, so that, that, that was the wake up call. And then when the hysterectomy had to happen and it had to happen quick from, from diagnosis, it took seven days for me to, it was, it was that immediate. What I realized, and it's going to sound kind of crazy. Janet Jackson had a baby at 50. And in my mind, I had time. Right. A baby. Now, the reason I didn't have a baby before was because I was afraid I would act out the violence that had been acted out on me. So by the time the hysterectomy was needed, my body said no. And I realized that the fear 
from other people's violence stopped me from even trying. And I think I could have been a good mom. Mm. I don't know, but I think- Are you saying it like you didn't want to bring a child into the world because of the fear of violence? No, I was afraid given how much violence I was, I was reared in violence. And it's hard to explain that to people because they don't really understand how far that goes. And I don't want to get it too graphic, but I was afraid that I would do some, I would hurt a child and not realize it. Got it. Got it. Like, I mean, throw him across the room and, you know, this- and by right. the time I realized that the child would be on the floor. Yes. And it wouldn't be because I was trying to, but because I've been trained a certain way that I wouldn't have caught it. And I was afraid I would. Now, as I matured and got older, I, I learned to trust myself more. But that, but by then my body had already started to turn on me. And because I have sexual trauma, it's, it's not an accident in my opinion that it was my uterus, that you know, in the lining of my uterus are the tumors. You understand? Right. Like it wasn't yes. in my chest, it wasn't in my breast, it wasn't, no, it was in my, it was in the space where I could create life. Yes. And that hurt me. That hurt me that I did not try because of the violence that historically has been passed down. All my women, there's one out of every four black women have experienced some type of sexual trauma. One out of every six women have experienced some type of sexual trauma of all races. So, and so that was, so that was when I started to dismantle who I am. And that's when I just started to write and I moved into this creative space because- And, and, and I want everyone to know that you, for the most part, let go of your black woman millionaire I business. I, I did, I surrendered you it. rendered it, yes. I surrendered it. And it's, a, it's, a, it's like, literally, I liquidated everything. I dismantled all the teams. I got rid of all the clients. I fulfilled all my agreements. I cashed out all my properties. I liquidated everything. I did. And you moved to the West Coast, which I'm so happy about. <laughs> Well, I moved here because I, I moved into a creative space. I wanted to yes. be an artist. So uh, God has always been with me, but I never believed him. I never had the confidence that people want to hear what I had to say. I always knew that people would want me to be useful to them because I know how to be- and Help them make money. Help them make money, help them, whatever way that was necessary, right? Mm-hmm. But definitely help them make money because I'm good at that. Money comes easy for me, like even on the streets. Um, but I wanted to be an artist. So I moved to California and- um, COVID happened and because I moved to San Diego and then to LA and then COVID happened and then George Floyd happened and that changed the game for me. That it it changed me at a fundamental core level that I didn't even know I could be changed at. (laughs) So I never considered myself political. I I still don't, but I definitely am clear about social, social change. And I didn't realize how much this, I don't want to say hate because that's too strong, how much resentment I had towards black men and how I had villainized black men, more so than white people. I, I wasn't on black men's side and I wasn't on their side because my father had left. And so I have a, what I call a father wound that shapes my relationship to men, specifically black men. And when George got dead, I was publicly executed and the world watched. And then America decided that we were born to out proportion. It was like, I'll be damned, fuck that. And I turned all of my social channels over to social change. I stopped marketing products and services. And I just started to put out things around social stuff, trying to get information to, to my tribe. And my tribe is diverse. You know, I, have, I have white allies. I have allies from world, worldwide. I have black people. I have Latino people. But the point of it is that we want to live in a world that works. And this doesn't work. 
And so I took that on. And this is the irony. And I, this is, I don't, and I, I, I blame God on this one, okay? <laughs> when George Floyd was executed, I got really, really sad, AKA depressed, okay? And I couldn't get out of bed. And a friend of mine from Stanford, a black man, reached for me, we talked, and he brought up this idea of a new project about me taking my content and putting it in the crowd. Now, I didn't have any interest in anything around technology at all, because but what I did know was I had no reason to get out of bed because Tori, my brother, he had transitioned from COVID that Christmas Eve. So George was happening in May, I think in May, this is a host litany of things. And Tori died in um, December. And I'm like, I quit on life in January. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like in the universe, it just, it, 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 not just, but like the universe once again is, cons- is conspiring, mm-hmm. right? If we just look at it from the Dr. Venus's like, you know, worldview, right? Like the, uh, once again, the universe is conspiring to create the, an, another transformation space for your for you like like the hysterectomy divorce got you into therapy mm-hmm. and while in therapy really getting connected with your you know your PTSD and and the other things that really make you who you are so that you you were learning about yourself and how to navigate in the world and how to you know be the creator that you wanted to be the artist and like I feel like that was also necessary mm. for to enter the this next chapter of COVID and George Floyd and your brother and to the place where when this, you know, old colleague suggested something, mm-hmm. even in the depth of your depression, mm-hmm. there, it, like, there was a light. There, it, 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 it was able, there was, it, I don't know, it's, it I mean, that's kind of how I'm seeing it. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. I love the way you recontextualize it. It's accurate. And it gave, it was the only thing that got me excited. Because it was it was it was forward focused. It was future tense. It took my mind off Tori, and it was something that I had never done before. And I it, like so I took it on. And when I started looking into it and checking up on it, I realized it was this blue ocean. I'm like, oh my god, I could crush this. And there weren't any black tech startups that have been funded by a black woman that featured black women content creators. And I'm like, oh, well, this is just black woman millionaire in the cloud. Oh, we've got this, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I'm like, we can do this. And so that's what I, so I gave myself, I, I talked it over God and my mom, a Nana and my team. And um, what I surrendered to was I'll be 50 or I'm 50 or I, I'm in my 50th year of life, right? Um, but I wanted to, I don't longer have the hunger or ambition to be on the cover of Forbes anymore. I don't have that. I don't have that desire, that, that drive to be, you know, on Oprah. I don't have that anymore. I, I, that's not my, if God wanted that for me, I would have done that a long time ago. My thing is I transform lives with my word and people listen to my world, word in other countries at two, three in the morning because they're fed. And so the, this tech startup is, is, is designed to be a safe space honestly a safe space for black women to tell the truth and not be attacked and not get <laughs> ostracized or put down because you know it's just a whole thing and then we can speak without hurting you know without being hurt right and also it's a money maker hey blame it on the streets i i funded it i'm doing a rev share with my content creators so they can actually make money as a content creator on my platform instead of having to have a day job 
I have equity partners, local, you know, the one the single digit or half a digit equity partners of some of a few of my content creators, I call them equity partners, so that we're investing in each other's business. So I'm creating a whole constellation that's self-referential for black women who have a $3.8 trillion buying power, okay? And I'm not saying cash, I'm saying buying power, they're not the same. But if we can redirect just a percentage of that to a platform that creates an awesome product in the marketplace, we will demonstrate that we can be self-sufficient without having to go through oppressive systems in order to fund our dreams, have a job, marry a man or marry a woman to be taken care of. You have to have your own money if you want to be free. If you, and now I'm saying you have to be like, right now I'm dating. Oh my God, I have a new, I have a new bae. And he is, he's an active, of course, he's an advocate for people who, for housing, right? And I'm rich and he's not, okay? <laughs> and not in terms of like, like that. And I'm happy that he's, he's good with me and he's good with my kink, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, but I can talk back to him because I don't need him. You know what I'm saying? Like when, yes, you, yeah, when yeah. you need somebody, you can't really say your yeah. Yeah. So the whole point is to create a, a um, an ecosystem. Yes. Okay. By putting culture in the cloud. You earlier, you said you went from a focus on ambition to a focus on, and what was this? Was it legacy? Legacy. Legacy. I, you know, in, in my unmentor space, I'm claiming a distinction of people that are in the mission business space sort of later in their journey and a more seasoned part of their journey where, where money is not the, the sole objective, where fulfillment and enjoyment is a priority over money. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I feel, and I love seeing that the aspect of that reflected in what you're sharing, because especially from where you came from, it was all about ambition. Let me get the degrees and become a professor and like, just, you know, just feel like I'm someone and make myself someone. And then the entrepreneurship and the house and the, like the, the, just that picture, picture perfect life, if you will, you know, and then to get to a place where where you really partially you removed yourself, partially the universe, you know, plucked you out. And then to come to re-enter into a uh, entrepreneurial space again, which I don't know that you ever thought you would re-enter, but to re-enter it, you know, you're, you, you're, you're never not an artist, but there was a place where you were really swimming in your artist. You did a one woman show in LA that Greg yes. and I went to. Oh my God. It was amazing. It was so amazing. And, and if you check out her hot mess millionaire uh, show on Amazon, you'll get a, a taste of it. Not the whole thing, but it's a bit of a taste. And then to re-enter into a legacy space. Like, I feel like, I know you're going to call me out on it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I feel like I'm not yet to the, uh, the, the space or the extent of the space that you're holding for legacy mm-hmm. yet, but I, I could see my path to where that will be. And I, it feels like such a beautiful space that a lot of very ambitious people land in. eventually through whatever dark night wormhole place that they get to right it's like the ego is not in the same space and the level of importance of money and 
just it's sort of like been there, done that a bit, you know. A, but that's a that's a, the feeling tone is how many trips can you go on, how many cars can you own, how many yes. cars can you buy. There is a, it's really the process of ambition. What makes it glorious is the process. Once you reach the plateau, you have to maintain it. You have to keep it up. Well, and you see when you get there that it's not panacea. It's not yeah. utopia. Like, and there's, I feel like there's almost nothing you could say to somebody who feels yeah. like that is their path and that is their goal to tell them, you know, it's not quite going to be what you think it is when you get there. You can't it's like tell someone you don't need the education. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then you yeah. realize you do all these degrees and no one gets hired for their degrees. You know what I'm saying? So, but you're, so you're, you're absolutely correct. I think that when I look at someone like Gandhi or Dr. King or even Nelson Mandela, and I'm not purposely picking them because they're political, I'm just looking at their age. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. in the latter part, they went, they had a whole career before they did their calling. You know what I'm saying? They really had, Gandhi was a lawyer before he became Gandhi with the, you know, with the white, with the white toga. You know what I'm saying? Dr. King was a preacher before he became an activist. He had a whole identity, AKA identity, right? Before he heard the call. And I think that a lot of us who are entrepreneurs, I'm now, I now see myself as a social entrepreneur and I still have a commitment to money, but I have a commitment to money because money is a tool in a capitalistic society that loves a playing field. Y'all can work on a march if you want to, I'm going after the money. And those are two different people. And so if I can get my women, my truth tellers, and the brothers who love us and our allies, everyone's included, by the way. I, look, I put black women first, but first is not mean alone. We need each other. But black women have so not experienced being first that if I don't have them see and feel what it's like, they can't put themselves first in their lives. That has to be modeled. And so what I'm clear on is that in order to have social change, you have to contend with America the way America is built. And it's not built on fairness. It's not built on equality. Equality is an illusion. If it were built on equality, women would make more men, make the same money that men make, okay? <laughs> I have a theory. So it's not, but it's what it's built on is capitalism. And the most effective product in America history for capitalism was slavery. And if you look at that model, you'll see that all of the business structures that we have are rooted in that model. But you would have to be willing to look at white supremacy, well, not, be, not being mad at it, but actually getting to understand yes. it. Yeah. You know yes. what I'm saying? Totally, totally. And, and as you, I've shared with you, I am doing a deep dive into unconscious bias, specifically <laughs> I <love> race. <laughs> I love you. And I, thank you. Thank you for loving me in my process. And unconscious bias, uh, specifically the entry point racial bias, but now my eyes are being open to, you know, body size and ableism and sexism and all of these things. And what I'm hearing you say is this idea of caste. And I'm, you know, a reading a groundbreaking book from Isabel Wilkerson, Caste, The Origins of Our Discontent, that just so unmasked my eyes uh, around the system. Right. Because, you know, I grew up with white supremacy being Nazis because I'm Jewish. Right. And so that was just my orientation. It was Hitler and Nazis. And that was white supremacy. And and now really realizing the doctrine of white supremacy is the his, like the history of our country and how 
it has, there is a caste system, a hierarchy system that we're swimming in that we don't even see. And so I highly recommend that book. I'll put a link in the show notes and, you know, and we could have Dr. V if there's any books that you recommend around this topic, but it's just so illuminating. That's like a fucking understatement of the century. I mean, reading in the book about how Germany fashioned their yes on uh, on off, our off shit. Eugenics, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. that that just blew my mind because I grew up like, no, the Nazis are like the ultimate crazy ass, like that was insane and that will never happen here, quote unquote. And like, and then to 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 hear that they literally came here and visited to see how we were structuring it, how we were saying who, you know, was considered black and white and a drop of their blood and their, their black. I mean, all of this, the stuff and the, how that informed their own, I'm forgetting the name of the, the, the written document that they used in Germany around, uh, around, that but that just the whole concept blew my mind and so i i've always loved being in your orbit and the and how you've you're have honored me as a white woman in your world and i have like known i'm a white woman in your world and also at the same time to have reverence for your experience as a black woman and i have to say that it has deepened so much in the last you know, since George Floyd and since I've been consciously, you know, um, committed to having more women, people of color on the show and my own studies, but like, so I just honor so much of what you're doing. And I really get, I get that you're walking a line a little bit, that you're, that you're wanting to create space for black women that honors black women, that puts them first, that, you know, that that's safe and, and all of that. And you're also honoring the allies. It's not black good white bad like it's 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 not that it's creating a new paradigm yeah our time yes preach on every possible level there's this is the thing i just did this thing so I, one of the things i deal with in terms of really helping my truth tellers think through complex ideas or reveal the caste system that we swim in is that we simplify things black white First and foremost, those are not skin colors, those are social positions. And there's no such thing as race. That was a whole nother thing. They're like, I know, like so- I know but it's also a social construct. It's right. So, so is masculinity. So is femininity. Yes, yes. Like, yes. So all of it is. It's not and not and none of it's negative in this in and of itself. It's just that if you don't know it's a, a, a something that's man made up and you live it like it's real, now you're threatened when people don't agree. So yes. that's what makes it a cult, right? But the thing that I was gonna say about allies and, 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 and including my black men, because my men get fussy, like, what about me? I'm like, baby, I got you, let me handle your women. And then you let me handle, I got you, and you, we'll get you in. But the thing is, if you look at the missionaries, this is deep, missionaries in the 1800s, all about the 1600s, specifically in the West Indies, in the Caribbean, there was a slave Bible created. And it was, and the planters didn't want it because they just had the Haitian Revolution, and Haiti was the only country in a world in the world that overthrew colonialism. In that same year, they built the slave Bible, right? And so a um, slave Bible, a Got slave it. Bible, and they took out ninety percent of the Old Testament, fifty percent of the New Testament, and kept in all the stuff that was like, ooh, be obedient, be wow. happy, good with your lot, blah blah blah, life hereafter. But the thing that makes it compelling is this. It was missionaries who taught black people how to read. Mm. 
Do you understand? Like they're willing to sacrifice our bodies to save our souls, okay? But then they're also the group that gave us the tools to actually get access to hope. So they can't be, so, so you're dealing with a complicated paradigm. They can't be all bad and they can't be all good. I mean, literally without them, we, with colonialism, we would not have black people mm. in the black church. We would never have made it through slavery, Jim Crow, Reconstruction, the 60s, and George Floyd. And But the thing that makes it bananas is that it's the same group of people who were willing to let us be beat, be tarred, be feathered, so we can go meet Jesus. Do you understand? So, yeah. <laughs> damn. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. So you can't, you can't just say missionaries are bad. You can't just say all white people are bad and you can't say all black people are bad or whatever, because, and I'm not saying it in any, any way that's the, that, that, that lightens or diminishes the impact of the actions. Intention is not the same as impact. And I think historically the paradigm we've been focused on is the intention. Oh, they were, they intended to enslave us. They intended right. to, and to be fair, they fucking did. However, right. nobody knew that by virtue of blah, 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 or colonizing, or blah, that it would turn into chattel slavery. You know what I'm saying? No one knew that they would come up with, oh, we need to have them have babies since we can't bring people in from Africa. Let's build our own, you know, yeah. turn their body into a factory thing. You know what I mean? Yes. No yes. one could have, the missionaries couldn't have seen that coming. Yes. All right. And so it doesn't justify, but every problem, every answer creates a problem. Cars are the answer to horse manure. <laughs> <laughs> damn and missionaries the answer to to um saving our souls was like okay let's have them not revolt and yeah. just let us talk to them and that tool that one book got passed around and it became a tool of oppression but there's mm -hmm. no way to film that that doesn't yeah. make it fair yeah but it does it does it does do something to the paradigm where we have room for the whole truth not just the parts that validate our point of view. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm, I am just letting that vibrate and echo. And, and there's something else I want to talk about before our time is up that I that I think will be really helpful to our listeners because you and I could talk about this for a long time. Maybe we'll come back and do another show. Woo um, I want to talk about how now you here you are again like launching a business right like this like and now you have a completely different awareness of who you are mm -hmm. and what your special needs are mm -hmm. and like and who you need like around you and how you work best on a day-to-day -day basis and i i really want to talk about that because you have like all of your therapy and everything you've been through has really gotten to a place where you are really clear on, like you said, I'm legally handicapped. You said that to me earlier in terms of titling it or labeling it. And I, I just, I want you to speak about what you've learned about yourself and the, the, that the needs that you now are so clear that you need to advocate for yourself and communicate to others that are around you. And because somebody with all these lists of things that I'm going to have you give the list of, you would think, well, that person's not going to be a just tech disruptor and like start, you know, like, 
you know, how could that possibly be? And those are the excuses, people with these same labels that you're about to share are, are excuses or reasons why people don't do something. So I just, I want you to share how like this, you know, high functioning articulate, you know, black woman that we're talking to today, it, it also has all of these things, these, these things, you know, these things, I don't even know what the label is, you know, like, you know, awesome. these, things. these things that can feel really heavy and they can feel like good reasons to not do shit, you know, Let's talk through a little bit. Okay. All right. So talk to me about what you've learned about yourself and then how, and how you are doing this new thing differently than you ever have before based on really honoring your own needs and limitations and, and things like that. Okay. So I have PTSD. Okay. The streets were hard on me and I, I'd be great, but I have PTSD. I have a service animal. His name is how does it manifest? How does the P how does PT? Uh, how have you learned that it manifests in your life? It's a lot, my, my body shakes. Mine is physiology because my body has been attacked and it's been beaten. It's been, it's gone through a lot of stuff. So when I have a trigger, what happens is my body starts to shake. My chest contracts. I lose high functioning skills, like language, literally my words stop. Um, and I, I get stuck. I, I call it my brain breaks it feels like my brain just broke. And so I get overwhelmed and I either lose language completely and can't say anything, or I end up having to, to, I end up feeling trapped. So I have a whole, I have a physiological reaction. Okay. And, um, and before you get to the solution, just to really, cause I want to you to share a little bit more in case there's people that have it that don't know it. Okay. How does at everyday like life or businesswoman life, where do those triggers show up? Because you, it could be like triggers are like someone's attacking you, but that's, that's not it. It's that there's, there's so much more sneaky yeah. and you've gotten to know them more clearly. The biggest trigger for me are surprises. Are surprises. Okay. That's, and I was surprised on the streets. I was surprised at mama's house. I didn't have locked doors. So I will wake up surprised, right? So surprises are like cold water thrown in my face. And it could be surprised like a breakdown in your business or somebody not showing up or something or like that. email that says I owe money or email that says I quit. It doesn't have to be traumatic to be a trigger. Yeah. Yes, you know that's saying? super helpful, super helpful. All right, and I'm glad. Thank you for helping me answer the question properly. But it's, um, business is naturally unnerved. I'm a, I'm a CEO, okay? And the nature of being an entrepreneur, especially a startup, and especially a tech startup in a new field where we're first to market is completely the unknown. So I'm always getting surprises. And my background is anti-surprise <laughs> because I need certainty and stability for me to do my best work, right? And so be being an entrepreneur is a natural trigger for me and anybody who has my, my kind of PTSD, anxiety disorder, dyslexia, and I'm high functioning autistic, okay? So this, you know, all the things, okay? And I'm legally handicapped. So it's not even like I can lie to myself, okay? <laughs> the professional doesn't tell me. And so- And that, and that label seems to help you, like it helps you, it serves you that label because it, it like- Now, after I finished, I didn't realize all this until I got the hysterectomy and I went to therapy. You see what I'm saying? Before that, I thought I just thought I was sensitive. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just thought I was this moody, right? But um, what in terms of my, I call them special needs. 
And I mean that in the prettiest way. I actually have special needs. You may have ordinary <laughs> needs, but I have special needs. <laughs> you know, my needs are special. And I'm real good with my special needs because when they're met, I soar. Ah, special, your definition of special needs is when my needs are met, I soar. That's right. I yes, soar. Love and it. So I have my life set up for me to soar. <laughs> so the way I organize my day as a CEO and a, a tech disruptor is I don't start working until 1 p.m. So my mornings are dedicated to loving on happy. That's my pup. Um, to doing my prayers, to eating and exercising. That's what they're dead. So I don't get to, and if I want to check on some social media, I can, but I don't look at my emails until one, until after one. That allows me to get myself grounded and get caught up in land in my spirit. Be, me and God do our thing. Then I only work from one to 6.30, four days a week. And my kind of work means I only get three things. This is what, this is my version of work. I love this. I love this. It's super okay, good. I'm glad it's useful. It's like, I get three big things done a day and that's it. That's it. We're not trying to do five day things. We're not trying to do 10 things. I'm going to fuck about a list. I'm like, okay, what are the three things that need to get done today that's going to have the rest of the things work? Sometimes it's reviewing videos. Sometimes it's writing copies. Sometimes it's client care, okay? With my private clients, because I still have, I have, I have private clients now, but they're handpicked, okay? They actually empower my leadership, right? So I get three main things done a day and I call it victory. By 6.30 to 7, I'm picking Happy up from doggy daycare. Yes, he goes to doggy daycare. Yes, he has a dermatologist. And yes, he has his own fucking credit card. Deal with it. Okay, you have a child. I have a pup. And I don't have to worry about college so tuition or babies. So he's so fun. delightful. Isn't he perfect? No, he was, you all, he was in her show, her one woman show. He was on stage during the show. I mean, Greg and I were just like, that is the most like amazing dog ever. Like he would just chill. She was like emoting y'all. And he was just chill and doing his thing. It was like a, the best prop <laughs> ever. Yes. He's, he's a service animal and he's, but people think he's a pet because he's a piece fluffy. He's white, he's lovable, but he's a structure. He wakes me up in the morning. He looks my elbow. And then if I don't get up, he then pounces my face. He wakes me up in the morning. He makes sure I get out of bed. He makes sure I eat. He makes sure I go outside. He structurally organizes my day. So by 6.30, I pick him up four times a week. And by seven, I'm tending to him and I don't work anymore. Okay. So, and then if there's anything that done that day, it's not done. <laughs> it's just not done. And I also have a team. I have a project manager who gets things done. I have an admin who makes sure I show up on time. I have a personal assistant who takes care of everything in terms of all my appointments. My mom, Nana, she's the chairman of the board. She's the truth thermometer. She can veto me, okay? Because she's always enough for my well-being. I have a social media manager who does all my posts. And Nana work. is the teacher from when you were, that yeah. saved your life. Yeah, That's I right. want everyone to kind of, I want oh, yeah. to bring that story to, yeah. yeah she never left me. She's, she's still teaching me, <laughs> you know? And then the higher on contractors that have their own teams. So I have a marketing agency that's building out, doing all my marketing for my tech startup. And I have a um, tech architect that has his own team that's building it. And then I have, the bottom line is I have lots of teams. Yes. Okay. And, and they need to know what your special needs are. Like they need to know how your autism and your dyslexia and your PTSD mm -hmm. um, impact how you manage, what you need from them to make decisions. And, 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 so, and they fail sometimes. 
because they forget because I'm so high functioning and I'm so efficient and effective. I don't look like I had a will. I don't, I don't look blind. I don't have a cane. I don't have yeah. a wheelchair. And I want everyone to hear this because so many of us have special needs and I love the way got special needs. Like I, I love that the way that you're holding it. So many of us have those, but we don't like give ourselves the luxury of claiming them. You know, like my husband's a super introvert. He's like really, really introverted, really, really, really introverted. And at times it becomes like he needs to do his introverted thing, mm -hmm. you know, but like it's our society doesn't, is not, you know, that's where I love the GFR commandments, you know, like don't compromise, let go of what doesn't feel good. Don't worry about being normal, proper and polite. Those are the first three. And they seem to be our theme for today because like it, it we need to advocate for ourselves because nobody else will. And I just, I love that you, are talking about this and that and that the women that are in your your startup and in your orbit will have a leader that is honoring her needs and that is is, is stating them and even though you are high functioning and you're rocking it let that you are also claiming like and I have days where I can't get out of bed I, I mean I I think some of the favorite things about my one of my the favorite things that my clients say about me and you've said about me included is just like like you love what I just share, like the messy and I can't get out of bed and I fucked up and like I'm thinking this crappy stuff because then we're all in, in community and we are all the same and we are get to see ourselves in others and then we get to get on with our legacy work. I think that's beautifully put. I think we are the same. And I, but I think that not but and telling the truth is the key to peace. Yes. Telling the truth is the key to productivity and telling the truth is the key to profitability. It really is in being your authentic, real and raw self that the people for whom you are the answer to their prayers can find you. Those are your high ticket clients, not the mediocre, not the lukewarm. So the more yourself you are, the more divisive you're going to be. You're not trying to be nice. You're not trying to play nice. You're going to say, nope, I don't like cereal. And yes, I love the whales. So if you want, if you want cereal, you shouldn't talk to me. But if you're about that well life, oh girl, about that well life, I got you. And so, and, and you want the people who want the whales, but you can't get them if you look warm. If you're like, well, I kind of like cereal and fish are pretty cool, but I'm, whales are great, but let's just talk about fish that eat cereal. You know, it's the, they, <laughs> no one can really, they can't fall in love with themselves through you, right? They cannot fall in love with themselves through you. That is so fucking beautiful. Well, yes. I got it from you. You made me fall in love with myself through you. <laughs> <laughs> we just got this like awesome love affair. It's true. I'm yes. good with it. <laughs> I am good with it too. And I am so glad that we've had this conversation. It has been amazing. It has been beautiful. It is like been uh fully expressed and 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 i know this is like just like the marks another chapter and we'll be back here in a year you know to hear where you're at um is there anything that you want to say in closing there are three things um the first one is i love you i love you too i thank you for loving me what i when i say i love you what i'm pointing to is how you inspire other people to be their full selves. And I know that God blessed me with your presence in my life such that 
I would have a very gentle spiritual teacher who had room for my wounds, specifically around being heard and, and race with, with regards to white people, such that I can, I can stand for what I believe, but I don't have to leave, I don't have to hurt you or leave you out to do it. Mm. And that's because you have loved me. You've loved me. And a lot of black women don't have that. They don't have a white Jewish woman who says, fuck them. Yeah, they're wrong. They should die. What else you got to say? Here's a microphone. And so I could, I can be both. And a lot of times it's either, oh, you must be anti-white. No, I'm very pro-black. And if you can't make the distinction, then you're not, you're not listening, not hearing me, but you've always heard me. So that's what I mean when I talk about, I love you. I love your spirit. I love your sense of humor. I love how brilliant you are, but it's primarily your energetic space. Okay. That's the first thing I want to say. Second thing I want to say is I appreciate that you create a safe space for people to tell the truth. I know, but there's very few of those on the planet. And that's, and I, I, and I know that the people who do get a chance to hear any of your interviews, I don't care, you know, any of them, <laughs> episode 11, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're going to get healed in a way they can't because you're telling the truth that people don't articulate. Okay. And then I think the third thing I just want to share is I have a deep appreciation to um, everyone who's listening. Now you didn't have to listen to this. You didn't have to. And that you would take time out of your life to listen to, in a lot of ways, um, a very wounded and a street urchin who was saved by grace and mercy through a teacher. It always, it, it marvels, it blows my brain apart that people would listen to my word. And, I'm, and I don't take that lightly. So I just want to say to everyone who's listening within the sound of my voice, thank you for being willing to hear my truth, being willing to, to, to give me a chance. You didn't have to, and I don't take it, I do not take it lightly. And I thank you for allowing me into your space, into your heart space. And I love you too, in that agape way. So don't think it's weird. So that's all I got to say. I love you too in that agape way. Don't think it's weird. <laughs> All right, sister. This was amazing and uh, perfect divine right time, of course. And thank you for everything that you've shared and such, such beautiful vulnerability and clarity and wisdom. Well, thank you for the space. I'm excited about giving away my free gift. So if people want to check up on me, they can. And I'm very excited about my tech startup. We're out to disrupt tech. And if it's okay, I'll leave a link for people to check up on that with you so they can yes. feel free to check up on it and feel free not to. You don't have to. There's no obligation. But if you're interested in seeing how 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 we doing this thing, you know what I mean? I would love for you to come over and participate and support in whatever way you want to. And, and you don't have to be black to support, okay? Yes, thank you. You don't have to be a woman to support, okay? <laughs> <laughs> say that okay so but i have a, a wonderful gift for you um if you're interested in how i got to my first million and my vision for women worldwide okay so just want to make sure i mention that so that's all right it. awesome all right big virtual hugs dr v and to i our love you Lisa journey <laughs> <laughs> well i hope you had as much fun as we did with that conversation and i just can't get enough of this woman and she has uh, given you a couple links in our show notes. One is to her truth tribe. 
So you can go check that out and really be a part of a community of like-hearted truth tellers who keep it real and raw. <laughs> and that's amazing. And we also have a link so you can see what she's up to in her disruption of technology. And uh, also the book recommendation that we talk about, which is the cast book that um, I'm reading that is changing my life in multiple ways on my um, unconscious racial bias and social justice journey. So lots of goodies um, in the show notes. And I, if you haven't gotten your GFR commandments yet, that is a beautiful primer for really enjoying the show. If you're new to the show, welcome. Make sure you subscribe because Dr. Venus is one of, you know, now over a hundred amazing stories that we have women of color, people of color, you know, all different kinds of backgrounds and traumas and, and struggles with a beautiful divine purpose. So go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you're listening. So you don't miss any of the stories and make sure you grab your GFR commandments at gfr.life forward slash 12C. And I will see you on the next episode.